1. Acts chapter 1. We're concluding our series called We Are Acts 29, and we're going to end Acts 29, which isn't a chapter. Uh, We're going to end Acts 29 in Acts chapter 1. Some of you are familiar with the the old Perry Mason television show. Is there a new is there a new Perry Mason or are they getting ready to come out with one? No. Okay, okay, there isn't. Okay. So the old Perry Mason uh, show is actually super cool and even as a family within the last year we watched a bunch of the old Perry Mason television shows and Perry, see I told you I told you it was going to happen. I told you when I started talking this was going to happen. Um, I've done this enough now that I know how this works. Um, uh, and so Perry Mason is a lawyer, right? And the, um, it's kind of a crime mystery television program. And, and a lot of the television program is set in a courtroom where he has different people on the stand, witnesses on the stand, and he uh, interacts with them and asks them questions and that sort of thing. And Perry Mason always, always, always wins. And whoever's giving witness, if they aren't giving a witness exactly the right way, he is going to catch some kind of loophole. He's going to catch them in some kind of detail. And he is going to make sure that the person who committed the murder is the one who's caught. And, like, I, I don't think I've watched all of the Perry Mason episodes. But, I mean, does he, is there such a thing as Perry Mason ever losing a case? No, no. Perry Mason never, ever, ever loses the case. And the whole point, my point actually isn't so much about Perry Mason as it is about being a witness. A witness is someone who has firsthand account. They have a firsthand account. They saw or know the details of what's happened. And they then have been asked to come and sit on the stand in a judge's court of law. And they have to testify. Give They are a witness, right? So they're the noun witness. They are a witness. And then they give witness, verb. They, they give witness. They are a witness. And they give testimony as to what it is that they've seen or heard, or experienced. They're there to tell the story of what they know to be true. This morning, as we finish up our series called We, Acts, we, we Are Acts 29, we're going to talk about the reality of how God left us here on the earth to be a witness, to be a witness, and to give testimony, to testify to others the truth of what we've seen and what we've heard. And here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And this is Jesus talking here. Jesus says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is looking at his disciples and he's saying, You and the disciples that you make and the disciples that you make and the disciples that you make, You all are going to be witnesses of me. You will be my witnesses. And so those words right there, you will be, those five words, you will be my witnesses. That phrase is where we're getting the point of the sermon this morning. The title is entitled Witness. The main point this morning is this. You must individually and corporately be a witness of Jesus Christ. Father, as we kind of conclude the exposition of the book of Acts, I pray that you would help us to see that the beginning of Acts ends, or the, the, uh, the beginning of Acts starts with your people witnessing and ends with your people witnessing. 
And help us then to see that it's our responsibility now to be a witness as well. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I have three points this morning. I know that comes as no surprise to you, but all three points of my sermon are exactly the same. Point number one, and and you're like, that makes no sense. It'll make sense. Point number one is this. We are witnesses of Christ. Point number two is we are witnesses of Christ. And point number three is we are witnesses of Christ. Did you catch the differences there? Probably by the third time you got it. Point number one, we are witnesses of Christ. Point number two is we are witnesses of Christ. Point number three, we are witnesses of Christ. So the emphasis on the first point is the we. The emphasis in the second point is witnesses. And the emphasis in the third point is of Christ. So follow with me as we make these arguments clearly from the book of Acts together. First of all, brothers and sisters, we are witnesses of Christ. Jesus here looks at real people in their eyes and he says, you're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And the reason you're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit is because I have a job for you. And my job for you is this. I want you to be witnesses of me. You will be witnesses of me. Christ tells his disciples, you will be witnesses of me. And as you read through the book of Acts, chapters 1, 2, 3, all the way through the end of chapter 28. You remember how chapter 28 ends? Paul is under house arrest. And it describes him as welcoming people with the gospel. He is, he is a witness to Christ all through the entire book of Acts. Christ tells his disciples that you will be witnesses. And when we think about being a witness for Christ, we first, and appropriately so, we first of all think about being witnesses individually, that you, as an individual, should be a witness for Jesus Christ. It's the most obvious part of what we think of when we think about being a witness. If I were to say to you, you should witness more, you probably immediately think, okay, what that means is I, as an individual, need to find more individuals to tell about Jesus. And that's absolutely true. When I say to you, you should witness more, though, you may have these kinds of thoughts come into your mind. You might think, okay, I need to go on Thursday night visitation. I need, to, I need like some kind of church program so that I can be a witness. I need to do um, door-to-door evangelism. And I'm going to go knock on the doors of my neighbors and tell them about Jesus Christ. Or you might think, okay, the next time I fly on an airplane, I'm going to tell someone about Jesus. For some reason, that we, just, we think that's when evangelism happens, when we're in an airplane next to a stranger. Or you might think, I'm going to be a good witness. I need to leave a tract on the restaurant table so that the waiter or waitress that sees me every Thursday morning right, gets that, gets that tract again. Or, or what I need to do in order to be a witness is I need to find a street corner to preach on. I need to preach the gospel from a street corner. Now, when I encourage you or when the Word of God talks about our being a witness, are those the kinds of things that come into your mind? Now, there's nothing wrong at all with any of those things. And I have done and been a part of every single one of those things throughout the course of my life. None of those things are bad. But if that's it, if those are the ways that we witness for Christ, 
some type of church program, some type of door-to-door evangelism, sitting next to someone on an airplane, leaving a track at a restaurant, or preaching on a street corner, if that's it, then we're all extremely disobedient. Now, the primary thrust of this sermon this morning is not to teach some type of method of evangelism, although I highly encourage you learning that sort of thing. But my my primary point this morning is this, is for us to learn how to individually and collectively. And remember, my main point is this. You must individually and corporately be a witness of Christ. We're going to unpack as we go a little bit more about, well, if it's not those things, then then how do I as an individual do it? But first of all, I do want you to understand that you as an individual, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you do have the responsibility to share the gospel with other people. But it's not the only way that you represent the gospel of Jesus. Still under point number one, not only are you an individual witness of Christ, but you are part of a corporate witness. And remember, the last few weeks we've been talking about the significance of what it means for us as the church to be the church in doing Acts 29 together. And so we talked about two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, whatever it was, we talked about um, worship and how we worship together. And that when we gather on Sundays, on the Lord's Day, it's not a bunch of individuals individually worshiping the Lord, but there actually is a unique aspect to worshiping the Lord together, corporately. And we talked, uh, I think it was just last week, about walking together. And how that you need the other people in this room and they need you in order for us to walk together as, uh, as followers of Jesus Christ. We worship together and we walk together. And this morning we're going to talk about how that we as a church are responsible to witness. You remember I drew on the whiteboard. I'm not going to take time to do it here this morning. But we talked about uh, an upward look, an inward look, and an outward look. And the upward look is our relationship to God and how we worship God. And an inward look is how we walk with one another within the church. And an outward look is our witness to the world around us. You are part of a corporate witness. And again, our independent Western mindset works against this. I mention this often. Often you'll, talk me, you'll hear me talk about we as Western um, uh, independent Americans, you know, we, we think a certain way. And I mention this often because it's the air that we breathe and we need to confront it regularly. Fierce independence where me, myself, and I are the holy trinity for you. Fierce independence that doesn't ever need anyone for anything makes for good lone rangers and terrible Christians. What we do together is part of what God is doing to share the truth of Christ in the world. What we do together, even right now, here together this morning, is part of what God is using to be a witness to the world. There are some in here this morning, and I have no idea which ones, there are some in here this morning who don't yet know Christ as their Savior. And so as they listen, and as they watch, and as they observe what God is doing in this group of people, there's a testimony that God is bearing witness to in that person's life. Let, let me give you several, pa- and there are a lot of passages of Scripture that would highlight this. Let me give you several passages of Scripture that make it clear that the body of Christ is a witness to the gospel. First Peter 
Chapter 2, verse 9 says this, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people, and, and a people um, is, is a plural, it's a group of people, a people for his own possession, that you, collectively, plural, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous life, light, that you collectively can give praise to him, right? It's fun to watch a football game by yourself in your living room. It's awesome to go to the stadium with thousands of other people that are on the same team you are and cheer together. It's a different experience. You're giving witness and worship and praise to the same team, individual, together. And when we gather together on Sunday mornings, we are, we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. We are a people that are possessed by God, and we proclaim His excellencies. John chapter 17, verse 20. Christ's high priestly prayer, and He says this, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in Me through their word, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. Right. So Jesus is talking about, I want my people to be united. I want them to be together in me. Unity is a really important, it's a really big deal in the Bible. And Jesus is praying, God, would you please take all my followers and make them united in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Did you know that one of the ways we witness is by the unity that we experience and enjoy here together? The world sees that these people are united together in Jesus Christ alone. There's nothing else that's a big deal to them. In fact, everything else is a really little deal to them. They disagree on all sorts of things, but they're united in Christ. Again, a, a verse that you're very familiar with, John 13, 35. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. What God is doing in a church is using even the church's gathered worship, the church's walk together it, it, as a witness into the community. Flip maybe one page over into Acts chapter 2, verse uh, 41, maybe a couple pages. This is a passage that we've looked at quite a bit over the last few weeks. Acts 2.41, those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls, right? So here's this, um, this, this young early church. People are, being belie- are believing and being baptized and, and added to the church. Now, what are they doing? They devoted themselves to the, the teaching and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. All came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to pr- their proceeds to all as any have need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So here's this group of people together, doing life together, sharing what they have with each other, looking to take care of each other's needs. And what was the result of these people acting like this? Look in verse 47. We see, here's the result. These people were praising God and having favor with all people, and the result was this. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. 
I believe this passage is making it clear, like so many of the other passages that we've looked at together this morning, that when God's people together live in unity and help one another and serve one another, that it's actually a witness into their community. So yes, we take the gospel one-on-one to other people and share with them the good news of Jesus Christ, but your behaving like the church of God is a witness to the world around us that God is real and the gospel works. So we, we are a witness of Christ. Point number two, we are witnesses of Christ. So point number one was we are witnesses of Christ. Point number two, we are witnesses of Christ. And here's kind of where I get a little bit back to the the Perry Mason illustration, right? Uh, you You know what it looks like for someone to be a witness on a witness stand and to give a testimony to, uh, to something that they've seen or experienced. And again, like I mentioned earlier, the word witness can be used as a noun or a verb. Let's look at both because we're actually called to be both. Let's start with the idea of the, the word witness as a noun, right? Like you are a witness. Before you give testimony to something else, you are the witness. But let's understand this, friends. You can't be a witness to something that you haven't seen or experienced. If there's a murder over on the northwest side of town, the police aren't going to come to me and say, hey, we want you to be a witness unless I was there to see the thing happen. If I have no experience, if I haven't seen it, if I don't know anything about it, I can't be a witness to that thing. Some of you have probably probably been called upon to witness in a court of law at some point in your life, and it was because you saw or knew, experienced something that had happened there. But you can't give witness to something that you haven't experienced. And as we read through the book of Acts, we see over and over again, Paul and other followers of Christ, they're saying, we're here to give witness of Jesus Christ whom we've seen and whom we've known. Acts chapter 5, verse 30, the God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. Paul and the disciples are saying, we've seen it. We've seen Jesus. We saw him crucified. We've seen him raised. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. There are other passages throughout the book of Acts that, I can, that we can read and, and look to to support this truth. The disciples were witnessing the things that they had personally seen and personally experienced. So let me ask you this. Before you focus on you being a witness, the the verb aspect of witnessing, let me ask, have you experienced the good news of the gospel? Might it be that the reason you struggle to even want to be a witness is because you haven't witnessed. You don't have firsthand knowledge of Jesus Christ and the work that He's done 
on the cross for your be, for, uh, on your behalf. Have you seen and experienced Jesus Christ? Do you know what it is to grow more into the image of Christ? I'm not asking if you prayed a prayer. Almost everyone in North America has prayed a prayer at some point. Do you know what it is to feel conviction of sin? Are you burdened for the lost? Do you desire to be with God and to be with God's people? Do you have a desire for Christ and for the Word of God? These are the kinds of indicators that we're called upon to look at to know whether or not we are really witnesses and testimonies. So first of all, if you're going to witness, you must be a witness. And as a witness, now you must witness. I hope I'm not confusing you by using the word witness so much. You must witness. Love Christ and you will witness of Him. You value and talk about and honor and share the things that you love. It doesn't take me long with anyone to know what they love what's important to them, what their hobbies and pastimes are, how many children they have. Like it's, it's easy, it's quick when you spend time with someone to learn pretty quickly what they love and what they're passionate about, what their life is all about. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in the intricacies of, I want to learn some real specific plan of how to share the gospel. When I think the emphasis in the scriptures is this, love God, know Him. If you know and love God, you will witness of Him to others. When you love God and love others, the first and second great commandments, you will witness. If I love God, and now I'll be honest, my love for God is often more like a roller coaster than a perfect trajectory up. But if I love God, I'm going to want to talk about Him. And if I love you, I'm going to want to tell you about the God that has changed me and the God that I love. So friends, folk, as you think of how God would use you to be a witness, love Him and love others, and you will tell them of Him. This is how we are to be a witness. Grow in Christ. Grow in your love for Christ and witness of Him to others. And then thirdly, we are witnesses of Christ. We are witnesses of Christ. Point number one was we are witnesses of Christ. Point number two was we are witnesses of Christ. And point number three, we are witnesses of Christ. And I don't want this last point to go without saying. Brothers and sisters, we, we are here for the purpose of witnessing of Christ. It's not enough to be a witness about going to church. Going to church is great. Going to church is important. Going to church is what followers of Christ do, but that's not what we're here to witness about. It's not enough to be a witness to conservative politics. Conservative politicians will die and go to hell without Christ. It's not enough to be a witness to moral behavior. You can be good and go to hell. It's not enough to be a witness to family values or to the good old boy country club, or to whatever the thing is that you might be inclined to um, love and value even more than the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are here to witness to the gospel of Christ. And it's important that we preach the Christ of the Bible and not the Christ of our opinion or of our modern mindset. 
Jesus came to earth and he lived a sinless life and died on the cross and was raised to life again. That is good news. And we need the good news because there's bad news. And I think sometimes, even as we're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, we leave out the bad news, which is a necessary part of the good news. As you witness to people, it actually is important for you not just to kind of give them warm fuzzies about Jesus, but to remind them there's a reason you need this Christ that I'm telling you about. If we're all just basically good people and we're going to end up, you know, in heaven with God someday just because, you know, we're just good, then, then I don't... I don't need Jesus. If I'm basically just good and I'm going to end up with God in heaven someday anyway, then, like, you know, I've said a couple times here recently, I'm going to do something else on Sunday morning. Your life and my life has been so full of rebellion and sin against God that you deserve to be separated from God forever in hell. And I, that, that has always been a very unpopular message, but. I feel like it's becoming more and more disregarded, like, come on, hell, really? A good God would never send anyone to hell. Well, brothers and sisters, it is, it is our rebellion against that good God that sends us to hell. So, so you, the witness, the witness is that Christ has come, and the good news of the gospel is that though the bad news is bad, the good news is better. We are witnesses of Christ. Again, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus tells us that you will be my witnesses. And then look at Acts chapter 28. Flip over all the way to the, the end of Acts 20, uh, the, uh, the book of Acts. Here at the very end, Acts chapter 28. The last verse, well, the last two verses. Paul lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him. And what was, what was Paul doing here at the very end of Acts chapter 28? He was witnessing of Christ, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And that's how the book of Acts ends. And that's why I've said we are Acts 29. We're just continuing. Remember, the, we're to be witnesses. Uh, you're, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. The fact that there's a church in Dalhart, Texas, is because Acts chapter 1, verse 8 happened. We're here now as witnesses of that Christ. Paul, in Acts, witnesses, and he often tells the story of his life and and, and, and he talks about that. He, he was a good guy. He was really religious. He was doing all the good stuff. And many people approved of who he was. But then this Jesus showed up and showed him that he was a sinner and needed to submit to him as the only Savior and Lord. Have you personally been a witness of that? Is that your experience? And if it is, as you grow in your love for that Savior and others, you as an individual and we as a church will bear witness to him. We worship the Father, we walk together, and we witness of him. So in conclusion, we must be witnesses of Christ. We individually must be witnesses of Christ. Together we must be witnesses of Christ. And we must be witnesses of Christ both as a noun and as a verb. 
we are, must be witnesses of Christ. And lastly, we must be witnesses of Christ. Jesus Christ and the good news of the gospel as it's presented in Scripture. Let me encourage you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And we're going to conclude our sermon here together this morning. If you are here and you have never turned from your sin and put faith in Jesus Christ alone to save you from your sins and to bring you into relationship with God the Father and to bring you into His family for eternity in heaven, man, let me encourage you. You can do it, you can do it right there in your seat by simply confessing your sins to Him and asking Him to be your Lord and your Savior. If you'd like to talk with me or someone else about this, at the end of this service time together this morning, we would be more than happy to visit with you about that. There would be nothing that would make us happier than to talk with you about that. I think the rest of us probably need a reminder. We need a reminder to be individually and corporately witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what God has left us here on the earth to do, to be witnesses of the good news of the gospel of Christ. Let me give you just a few seconds there by yourself to pray and to ask for the Lord's help. I'm going to ask the music team to come. We are going to conclude this service time with a song that I think will help tune our hearts and minds well for being a witness. The song is, Oh Great God. We're going to, it's a prayer that we will sing and pray to God and ask God to become the all-consuming passion of our hearts and of our minds. Father, as we sing, I pray that we would mean what we sing and that you would, that you would answer the request of this song that you would occupy our lowly minds and that you would own and operate all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I invite you to stand.